Well, hello. Thank you for joining us on another podcast. This is the Jazz Focus, and my name is John Clark, and happy to be back with you. So we're going to do a uh, little bit of a different thing on this Jazz Focus podcast. We are going to focus on a particular recording session and, and short tour of a fairly famous band. This was Kid Ori's Creole Jazz Band from 1959. And why do we pick 1959? Because this was the time when he used Henry Red Allen on trumpet. He was not a regular trumpet player with this band, but uh, Ori during the 1950s and 60s had a kind of a floating personnel with his group. Uh, his trumpet players especially tended to rotate pretty quickly. Uh, different people. He started out, with, of course, with Mutt Carey on trumpet, or cornet, actually, in the 40s, up until the late 40s, and then uh, in rapid succession, no particular order, he had Andrew Blakeney, uh, Marty Marsala, Teddy Buckner, Alvin Alcorn, and, for this one brief period, Henry Red Allen. So this is a, an interesting version of the Kid Ori Band. It's really a mark of Ori's band leadership abilities that he was able to make his band sound so distinctive, even with personnel changes. And uh, in a Dixieland band, New Orleans band, of course, the sound of the trumpet player uh, really sets the tone for the whole band. But Ori, of course, being a trombone player, uh, was not to be dismissed lightly. He had been leading bands since about 1910 or so uh, down in New Orleans, and uh, he was renowned for his band leading abilities. Some people who worked for him didn't care for him for any number of reasons, but uh, uh, generally speaking, he was a very successful businessman and band leader, especially in the second part of his career, which began in about 1944. So, a little bit about Kid Ori to begin with. He was born uh, in just outside of New Orleans, actually, in 1886. He started playing instruments, homemade instruments, like a you know, cigar box, uh, banjo, and violin, things like that, and putting together kids' bands very early on, probably before the turn of the century. He relocated to New Orleans uh, not long after 1900, and he started putting groups together of younger musicians who were playing in the New Orleans uh, jazz style at the time. He remembered hearing Buddy Bolden's band uh, from probably about that time, and he was interested in, in that style. That was, of course, a new style. Uh, we would call it New Orleans jazz, Dixieland jazz, what have you. Uh, grown out of a lot of different uh, sources, the marching band, ragtime, blues, gospel, all sorts of different things in New Orleans combined to create that style. And Kid Ori was one of the early practitioners of that. And so he was leading bands definitely by oh, 1905, 1906, somewhere along in there. And he had, uh, by the 1910s, he had uh, accumulated quite a reputation in New Orleans as a band leader and as a trombone player as well, because he switched over to trombone, first valve trombone and then slide trombone. And he came to be known as one of the great exponents of the tailgate style of trombone playing, so-called because the trombone player often sat in the back of the wagon when they uh, toured around New Orleans uh, doing publicity for various events, and the back end of the wagon was put down so the trombone player could extend his slide, hence uh, the tailgate designation. So in about 19... 18, 19, 19, somewhere in that vicinity, Ori actually went to California. He had done a theater tour, and he ended up out there uh, ostensibly for his health. He said later on that his doctor said New Orleans was too damp for him and he should go to a drier climate. So two 
California he went. And he was out there at the same time as Jelly Roll Morton and uh, some other New Orleans expatriate musicians. And he put a band together uh, of some New Orleans players and some who were not New Orleans players. And uh, by 1922, he was known as a band leader in Los Angeles, San Francisco, different places out on the West Coast in California. And he actually recorded the first uh, jazz by an African-American band. We would consider it jazz anyway. There are some other contenders, including Wilbur Sweatman and a few other uh, African-American band leaders, but uh, the Kid Ory sides from 1922 uh, were, without a doubt, jazz sides, and certainly the first examples of New Orleans jazz. This was done a good year, year and a half, before King Oliver's band was recording in Chicago or in the Chicago area. So, Ori uh, continued on the West Coast until he decided to relocate to Chicago in the middle 1920s. Uh, he was invited there by, I think, King Oliver, actually, and he started playing with King Oliver's big band, the Dixie Syncopators, and uh, on the side recording with Louis Armstrong's Hot Five and uh, even writing some of the tunes, like Muskrat Ramble, and bringing some older tunes, such as Ori's Creole Trombone, into the fold as well. And he came to uh, be regarded as the first call jazz trombone player in that New Orleans style. Of course, he recorded with Jelly Roll Morton's Red Hot Peppers right after that as well, and made a series of recordings with Johnny Dodd's bands and uh, lots of other groups as well. So he was a very well-known player. So he was in Chicago until uh, the late 1920s, early 1930s. He ended up going to New York for a little while, but uh, the Depression cut far into his business, and he ended up almost retiring from playing. He still played on the side a little bit, although, interestingly, he switched to string bass and a little bit of saxophone as well during the 1930s, and he made his living outside of music. He had a chicken farm and did some other things as well. When the... Uh, interest in early jazz started uh, developing in the late 1930s. People started seeking out earlier styled musicians, such as King Ori, a kid Ori rather, to ask him questions about the earlier days. And uh, it was in the early 1940s that he was rediscovered as, a, as an early jazz uh, purveyor and band leader, and he started playing again. He actually started playing with Barney Bagard's band. When Bagard left the Ellington band in 1942, he relocated to the West Coast, and he started a band out there, and Ori played bass and occasionally saxophone with him, and then once in a while he would bring out the trombone to play a Dixieland standard as well, I guess. In 1944, Ori was given the opportunity to put a band together uh, and record it. Uh, he actually had... Um, been hired by Orson Welles, the actor and director, to lead a band on the radio broadcast of the Mercury Theater. And uh, Welles was a big devotee of earlier jazz, and especially New Orleans jazz. And when he met Ori, he knew that he wanted him to lead a, an early style jazz band. And so on a number of the broadcasts for successive weeks, Ori's band, which he called the Creole Jazz Band, uh, would play at least one featured number on the radio broadcast, introduced by Orson Welles. And that band at the time included Mutt Carey on trumpet, who uh, had made those early sides in 1921 with Ori. He had been still playing uh, out there all you know, on the West Coast right straight through. Jimmy Noon, the great New Orleans clarinet player, was brought up from Chicago. He was playing there. Buster Wilson on piano, Bud Scott on banjo and guitar, Ed Montuti Garland, who also recorded with Ori um, early on or played with him in the 1920s, and uh, Zudi Singleton on drums. 
and then there were some other personnel changes. When Jimmy Noon died, uh, first Wade Whaley and then uh, Barney Bogard came in to play clarinet. And then a little bit later, it was Joe Darrensburg. And that was the start of Ori's Creole Jazz Band. And as I said, he recorded for the Crescent label in 1944, uh, did some marvelous uh, New Orleans jazz recordings from that period, which is usually considered one of the uh, earliest uh, moments of the New Orleans jazz revival. And he had Mutt Carey and pretty much the same band. The clarinet chair revolved between Omer Simeon, who had been playing with the Jimmy Lunsford Band and was uh, deputized to come in and play the recording dates, and Darnell Howard, who was known as a clarinet and violin player in Chicago. By the 1950s, Ori's band was enormously popular. It was probably second only to Louis Armstrong's All-Stars in terms of bookings and continuous jobs and, and pay and so on and so forth. And Ori was... Uh, based for quite a while in San Francisco. He played at the Hangover Club, and uh, as I said, he had a number of different personnel changes, but didn't really change the style of the band because Ori was very clear about what he wanted. And interestingly, he was not uh, a uh, dogmatic New Orleans jazz, Dixieland, traditional jazz player. He believed in giving the dancers what they wanted to dance to and playing to the audience. He was one of the early style New Orleans musicians who really saw himself as a... Um, a public servant, I guess, someone who was per performing a service in, in providing music for dancing. He wasn't an artist or he wasn't thinking that he was making music for the ages or anything like that. We can also say Louis Armstrong was very much in the same uh, mold as that. So Ori started recording for Good Time Jazz and Verve. Verve was a, an album, or rather a record label, that was uh, coming to the forefront of jazz in the 1950s, and Ori recorded a number of albums, including the one we're going to listen to, part of it anyway, in 1959, uh, which was recorded on July 13th of 1959 in Los Angeles. So the band at the time was Alton Red on drums. He was a New Orleans player. Um, from, he lived from 1904 to 1979. He uh, is sometimes better known as the father of alto saxophonist Vi Red, one of the uh, most notable uh, women jazz players on the West Coast at the time. I believe she's also still alive. She's in her 90s right now. He had relocated to Los Angeles by the 1940s, and he was playing rhythm and blues and uh, New Orleans jazz, a lot of different things. He's also the singer on most of the tracks we're going to hear. Cedric Haywood was the piano player. He also was a swing and R&B player. Uh, his dates were 1914 to 1969, and he played most of Ori's uh, recordings from this period. On the album, we have a white studio player, Morty Korb, who uh, was a, a session musician in Los Angeles, but he was well-known as a Dixieland musician playing bass and tuba. Uh, he played on many, many, many of the Matty Matlock and Eddie Miller uh, Dixieland recordings from that period, and, and sometimes uh, with revivals of the Bob Crosby Bobcats if Bob Haggart wasn't available. Then we also had a, a, a sort of a guest, or a, or a studio guest. Frank Hegarty was a guitar player, studio guitar player, had a very long life, lived from 1918 to 2004. He was a professional musician for something like 70 years and did lots of studio and radio work. And Norman Granz, the producer of these sessions and the owner of Verve Records, and Ori himself were both very fond of Hegarty's guitar playing. He sounded very much like Freddie Green, and that shows that uh, Ori was looking uh, to later models for his jazz band. And Haggerty uh, appears on a lot of these albums, but he didn't tour with Ori, at least not very much. 
And then we have Bob McCracken, who was a white clarinet player who was born in Dallas, Texas. He had played with the Louis Armstrong All-Stars very briefly. He also uh, had recorded with Ben Pollock and Kid Ori, and he is the clarinet player with the Ori Band at the time. And uh, he will be playing on the studio session and on the live session as well. He comes across a little better on the live dates, but a good clarinet player nonetheless. The principal reason for including these sessions, other than Ori's playing um, and Ori's band leading, is the uh, participation of Henry Red Allen. So Red Allen was a great trumpet player. Born in New Orleans in 1908, he had come to the um, attention of the jazz uh, buying and listening public in the late 20s when he was playing with the Louis Russell Band. Uh, he was their principal soloist, very fiery player uh, with a very unusual harmonic and melodic sense. People said that he was one of the most modern trumpet players all through his life, even when he was just playing touristy Dixieland at the Metropole Cafe in New York. He was still capable of playing things that made some of the modernists uh, sit up and pay attention. After the Russell Band, he uh, continued with basically the same band that was led by Louis Armstrong, uh, and he didn't get many uh, solo chances on the Louis Armstrong recordings, obviously, but in live dates, Louis did uh, feature Red quite extensively, and Red Allen, to the end of his days, uh, really worshipped Louis Armstrong. After that, he played with the Fletcher Henderson Band, he played with the Mills Blue Rhythm Band, he led his own sort of swing, jazz, R&B combo in the 1940s, and then he went back to uh, his roots playing New Orleans-styled jazz in the 1950s. As I said, he led the band at the Metropole, a bar in New York City, which was a tourist hangout more than anything else, and um, featured very loud, brash Dixieland music for a number of years. And Red Allen was in his element there. He was a great showman. He was a singer. He knew how to get the audience going. Uh, and he was a, a flashy, or could be a flashy player. He didn't uh, necessarily always do that. He could be quite reflective as well. And uh, he knew how to lead a band. Uh, so you would think that uh, playing with Kid Ori, where Kid Ori was such a strong leader, wouldn't have worked. However, Red Allen was a great pro, and he knew how to back off when he was not the leader. And this particular version of the Ori Band is one of my favorites. It's uh, a very harmonious blend of personalities. They do a range of tunes, uh, from swing-era standards to very traditional New Orleans tunes to some... Uh, comedy numbers and different things like that. So as I said, Red Allen uh, was brought out to make these recordings at uh, the Radio Recorder Studio in July of 1959. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And this was to make an album so that the band could take the album with them when they did their tour of Europe in September of 1959. We'll hear a few cuts from that tour as well. So to begin with, we're going to hear three tunes from the album. We're going to hear some of these days, Great Old Standard by Shelton Brooks, Tuxedo Junction, Mirskin Hawkins' swing tune, and a tune from Kid Ori's past, Come Back Sweet Papa, was composed by Paul Barberin, the drummer, and uh, composed specifically, I guess, for the Louis Armstrong Hot Five recording, one of the first Hot Five recordings, which featured Louis Armstrong, Johnny Dodds, and Kid Ori from 1926. This is from 30, uh, five, 34 years later, somewhere around there. So, first of all, some of these days, then Tuxedo Junction, then Come Back Sweet Papa. Thank you. 
your loving. Some of these days, baby, miss your kissing. You want my hugging. You want my kissing. You want my loving. When I'm gone away, I'm feeling lonely. And it's for you only. Say, you know, baby, that you had your way.
So there's were three very danceable tracks by Kid Ori and his Creole Jazz Band. Some very fine solos in there. I think the one that stands out the most for me is the Tuxedo Junction solo by Red Allen, where he gets in some very characteristic, humorous, and uh, kind of experimental ideas as well. But some very fine solos otherwise as well. Kidori uh, was a very consistent musician. He never uh, would impress you with extended technique or anything like that. But what he did, he did very, very well. He had a, a, a gorgeous trombone sound uh, within the style of New Orleans jazz and uh, played a very uh, authoritative tailgate and also an authoritative lead when the time came as well. Bob McCracken's clarinet playing was quite good uh, within the style. As I said, he'd been playing in, in Dixieland bands and I think he was playing in Western swing bands as well before that. So on some of these days, we also heard a vocal by Alton Red, the drummer. We're going to hear a couple more of his uh, vocals, or at least one more coming up. And uh, then we heard uh, Tuxedo Junction, and then Come Back Sweet Papa. So all of them kind of at a, at a dance beat. None of the recordings on this album, uh, as I said, that came out in 1959, were racehorse or, or fast or any, in any way uh, energetic in that way, I guess. They stayed right in a mid-range tempo, which is why Ori's band was considered one of the best dance bands of that era, playing in this style of music. And even today, on swing dances and things like that, you hear Kid Ori tunes crop up now and then, even uh, though he really wasn't a swing player per se, but his sense of tempo for dancers was really extraordinary. Red Allen uh, was interviewed uh, later after this whole tour and everything, and he said how much he enjoyed playing with this band, although, interestingly, he had uh, agitated for a different clarinet player. I don't think it was anything against Bob McCracken, but one of uh, Red's protégés in the late 50s in New York was Kenny Deverne, and he wanted Deverne on that recording date and was pushing him for the, recording, or for the uh, tour to Europe as well, but that didn't happen. Uh, Bob McCracken did it nonetheless. Red Allen said that this recording in uh, July out in Los Angeles was done on his day off from the Metropole. He uh, played until all hours there, I guess, uh, on Sunday night, got up early Monday morning, which was the day of the recording session. He said he was at the airport in New York at 9.45. He was in the studio with Kid Ori by 3 o'clock West Coast time, and he said he was back in New York by the next morning, I guess, or in time to do the job the next day. So he didn't even spend a, spend a night in Los Angeles. It was all just a round trip. So <laughs> pretty impressive he could uh, play with the authority that he did. And on about, oh, I think about 12, actually 14 tracks uh, from this album without any uh, lag at all. He was quite a powerful and um, <laughs> resilient player in many ways. So we're going to start this next set with one of the live tracks that was done in September during the tour. There was a, a concert that was done fairly early in the tour, September 22nd of 1959 at the Sportplast in Berlin, Germany, and it was recorded professionally. Um, there's also a film of this band. I think it was from a different concert. I don't believe it was from this one, although I might be wrong about that. If you go on YouTube, you can see uh, this band in action, uh, live, as it were. And this... Uh, particular uh, concert featured much more in the way of racehorse tempos, and it's been speculated that Ori did that for concerts. This, they were not playing for dancers here, and he probably understood that the uh, people coming to hear a concert wanted to hear some enthusiastic and energetic and showier playing than a band uh, might be required to do in a dance hall itself. 
So this is pretty much the same band. Red Allen, Kid Ory, Bob McCracken, Cedric Haywood, uh, and Alton Red on drums. There is no guitar on here, and the bass is played by Squire Gersh Gersbach, who was a um, white player who had uh, cut his teeth in this early style jazz with Turk Murphy and Lou Waters in the West Coast uh, traditional jazz scene of the 1940s and 50s, and he was playing with Kid Ory off and on during this period as well. He also played a, a year or a tour anyway with the Louis Armstrong All-Stars, so he was a very well-regarded bass player in this style. We're going to start off with a New Orleans march, anthem, what have you, uh, standard that uh, all the New Orleans bands played. In fact, Wellman Bro, the bass player, who played with Kid Ory for a while in the, in the uh, 50s, said that it wasn't a dance in New Orleans until they played this song, which was High Society. It was taken from a march by Porter Steele, and uh, uh, you can hear recordings of the original march that were done in the early part of the 20th century. Uh, and then the jazz bands took it over, with the clarinet solo becoming uh, an important part of it. The clarinet solo was apparently uh, developed by uh, Alphonse Picou, the African-American, or, or actually Creole, clarinet player, who had uh, adapted the piccolo part on the march to clarinet, and uh, every clarinet player since plays the solo pretty much this way, and we'll hear Bob McCracken doing that. Following that, we're going to uh, go back to the studio uh, in July and hear the Ori band do a tune called Keep Off Katie's Head, which Ori insisted was the original version of Sister Kate. I wish I could shimmy like my sister Kate. The lyrics are a little more suggestive, as you'll hear, Kid Ori himself singing them. Louis Armstrong always said that he... Uh, composed this tune, and it was stolen by Armin Perone and, and Clarence Williams. There was a lot of back and forth among the New Orleans publishers and writers. Nobody really knew who wrote anything, but Ori said he wrote it, and he called it Keep Off Katie's Head, and we will hear it that way now. Then we're going to go to a Fats Waller tune, Ain't Misbehavin', which has a particularly um, melodic and understated but interesting trumpet solo by Red Allen. And then Up a Lazy River by Sidney Arden and Hoagie Carmichael, and that will feature another vocal by Alton uh, red. So this is the Kid Ori Band from 1959. High Society, Keep Off Katie's Head, Ain't Misbehavin', and Up a Lazy River. Now for our next number we have High Society.
Get out, Katie's bed. Why don't you keep out, Katie's bed? It's a shame to say this very day. You're just like a little child at play. It's a shame how you lying on her head. I thought sure you wouldn't kill her dead. Why don't you be nice, boy? Take my advice. Keep off Kitty's head. I mean, get out Kitty's bed. Why don't you keep off Kitty's head? Please keep out Kitty's bed. It's a shame to say this very day. You're just like a little child at play. It's a shame how you lying on her head. I thought sure, boy, you would kill her dead. Why don't you be nice, boy, and take my advice. Keep off Kitty's head, I mean, get out Kitty's bed.
couple of great Red Allen solos. I mentioned the one on Ain't Misbehave and the one on Lazy River was just as interesting. He did some of his best work on those medium tempo uh, ballad type things with a little beat to it. He could really let his imagination run wild as he did there in both places. And also some very good lead playing as well as we heard on High Society, the great New Orleans standard with some very noble clarinet work by Bob McCracken. Also Kid Ory. Uh, came off very well on that one, too. And then, in the midst of all that, we heard Keep Off Katie's Head, Kid Ori's take on I Wish I Could Shimmy Like My Sister Kate, maybe the original version, depends on who you believe, I guess. So, a lot of good solos in there. We heard some very nice piano work by Cedric Hayward as well. Haywood as well. Um, we're going to play a couple more tunes. This is turning into a long podcast because these tunes are fairly, fairly extensive. Uh, they were not bound by the limits of a 78 RPM record here. The, this was done during the LP era, and probably this is an idea of how the New Orleans bands may have sounded early on, not stylistically, but in terms of how long they let tunes go, um, you know, in order to keep the dancers on the floor and so forth. That said, of course, in early New Orleans jazz, it wasn't the reliance on the solo that we have here, with uh, each member being featured in succession on just about every tune. So we're going to go back to that live Berlin concert right now to do our last two numbers. So far, we have not heard a Red Allen vocal, and he was known as a vocalist as well as being a trumpet player. He really followed on the heels of Louis Armstrong, the great series of recordings he did for Brunswick and Vocalion in the 1930s were a kind of uh, follow-ups to the Armstrong uh, standard recordings that he was doing with a big band a little bit earlier. And uh, great jazz on those recordings. Uh, the early ones with Red Allen had Coleman Hawkins. In fact, it was the Coleman Hawkins Red Allen Orchestra. And then when Hawkins went to Europe, uh, Red Allen started taking on other players, especially J.C. Higginbottom, Buster Bailey, Cecil Scott, all kinds of people, uh, creating some wonderful jazz recordings of both standards and not-so-standards. 
So we're going to hear him do his vocal best on the St. James Infirmary Blues, which was a feature of his at the Metropole, and uh, gets the audience going, as you can hear. Uh, Ori featured Alan on pretty much every set, I guess, on at least one number, and this was one of his big numbers at the time. Then we're going to finish up with another New Orleans standard that probably came from a march. This is called the Panama Rag, or simply Panama, and we'll hear the buildup of the ensembles over the last few choruses and how those New Orleans bands might have sounded out on the street in parades. Uh, even though this is a smaller band than a parade band, you probably get a lot of that feeling as well. So, here comes St. James Infirmary and Panama. Thank you. 
So there we have Kiddo Ori's Creole Jazz Band featuring Red Allen from July and September of 1959. Both of them still at the height of their power, as I would have to say. A very fine band, not just a collection of soloists, but an actual band playing arrangements and uh, really playing together, uh, making the, the, the sum of the parts, uh, or rather the whole greater than sum of the parts. I guess that's the way we'd say it. I also heard some fine clarinet playing on those two tunes, Panama and St. James Infirmary Blues by uh, Bob McCracken. Nice cadenza at the end of St. James Infirmary and some very good low register playing on Panama. Some great kidori in there as well and uh, some fine drumming by Alton Red. So lots of things happening in there. And of course we have the vocal by Red Allen on St. James Infirmary. So I hope you enjoyed this program. You are listening again to the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark. Hope you like these programs. If you are so inclined, uh, we do have a, a donations page on there. If you'd like to become a sponsor, please help us out. To encourage us to do some more. Let me know what programs you like, and we'll probably be coming up with lots more as we go. Not sure what the next programs are going to be. Still have one in mind for the great blues singer Joe Turner, uh, Earl Hines Band of 1934, quite a few other ones as well. But this was our uh, salute to New Orleans jazz and Red Allen and Kid Orange. So thank you very much, and we'll see you on the other side.